Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy to use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years. And we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build a Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction. And we are on board. To learn more about how Build a Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, Visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build a Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. I, I was just in a career day for my son's school uh, on Monday morning and their fifth and sixth grade kids. And I had they had to sign up, and which is a good sign that I had almost 60 kids in, in two different sessions. I had 30 and 30. And, and they were saying, you know, what's the most important is what's the most. I said, man, the most important thing that goes on with our business is people. And it's not just people. It's the right people. And, and you have to have them there. You have to be present. You have to take care of them. You have to take care of each other. And and uh, and they were all like, oh, man, I think they were expecting me to say like a circular saw or something like that. <laughs> so welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. And today we have Jeff Whelan with us. And Jeff is president and co-owner of Wheeling Construction and uh, excited to have you on, Jeff. Hey, I'm excited to be here, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's good to have you on. And fellow podcaster, Jeff, uh, truth be told, I, you know, we were introduced and uh, I've listened to a few of your episodes. So I think shameless plug for you, right? There's another podcast that they can go chase and follow after this one. That's right. I don't know if it um, if it holds up to what you do with the <laughs> caliper of what you do, but it's 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 fun. You know, I mean, I enjoy talking in general, but then I also enjoy talking to other people and interviewing people and, and hearing what they have to say. So it's, it's, uh, it's how we do it. It's interesting. Cause I, I think we're pretty fortunate today, Jeff, you and I as builders, because, you know, I look back 20, 30 years ago and I'm like, they didn't have cell phones. You know, they worked off fax machine. You hopefully had an office line on your job site trailer, but the reality is, um, builders just weren't like, they didn't communicate. They didn't share info. Um, that, that just was not a common practice. And here we are that, you know, part of the reason I love the podcast, I'm sure you can attest to this, is that I, you know, guests such as yourself will come on. And as we begin discussion, I'm like, hmm, you know, we got a scope gap in our company. I need to make some changes. And so I think there's a lot of information from, you know, just having guests on such as yourself. I think I think you're right. And the, I talk to our customers on on two things. One is the communication that we have available to us today. And, and I think that there's no reason for anybody to really be upset with the way things go because you have so many things to communicate or so many be- ways to communicate. And if, if you have an issue or you have a question or you have anything that comes up, man, I mean, it's text messages and emails. And I mean, you can Facebook and you can do whatever you want with them. Um, and as opposed to when, when I first started building, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have anything. So we were making phone calls in the morning and phone, phone calls at night. You go to work all day long and and we probably were more productive because we were able to continue to work all day long. We didn't have to worry about our phones, but yeah, it's amazing the difference, the difference it makes. I, I will say the, yeah, the caveat, I guess, if, especially if you have your bags on, it's a lot easier to get work done if no one's bothering you and texting you and emailing you all day. 
Physical work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, we, we talk about it in church. We talk about it now. The interruptions are what gets you, you know? Yeah. It's hard to stay focused. It, I was speaking with one of my coordinators and in our organization, we have three project coordinators and essentially their role is, you know, they're doing the purchasing and uh, working with submittals and procurement and, you know, coordinating with the field schedules, deposits, all that stuff. And uh, one of my newer coordinators, and she's a rock star, but it's funny because she's like, you know what? Brad, I, I've realized, you know, as I have five projects on my plate, you know, I have to compartmentalize. Like I have to really like dive in because there's so much information. You can't make a mistake. And so she's kind of learning to where those distractions are inhibiting like her, you know, they're pulling all over the place. And so she's like, I just need to focus for a couple hours and then go to the next task. And, you know, because, you know, the phone can drag us all over the place, Jeff. Yeah, that's true. And, and good for her for being able to, to recognize that and and uh, take action on, on making sure you can you can hone yourself in on what you need to do. Cause I'm guilty of it as anybody. I mean, I get so many things going on and I always, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm surprised we're not all just like crazy bipolar people all the time. You know, you're, <laughs> you're up, you're down, you're over here, you're over there, you're talking to this person, you're talking to that person and everything changes at any given second. Yeah, it really does. It's interesting. So what is your, you know, this is kind of a different direction than I anticipated, but as you look at your company, I mean, you guys have been in business, um, I think, is it 65 years, I believe, in there in Cincinnati? So you've had a long history there building in that area, which says a lot because, look, I live, I've lived through two recessions, you know, and um, there's been many, you know, the last 65 years. What do you credit, you know, just to the stability of your organization, especially having that long of a, a build cycle? So my family has been involved in the construction industry here in Southwest Ohio in, for 65 years or more, I think, at, at this point. Um, and, and that was both my grandfather's, my mom's dad and my dad's dad, both were, uh, builders of some sort, you know, and, and remodelers and, and had different things that they did. And then my mom and dad started their company in the sixties. I think it was 1966 after a stint with working with both of his, my, his dad and my mom's dad. And, and then it comes through to, to me and my brother and, and I, I really don't have an answer for you. I can tell you that that I've been brought up on hard work, and that's that's the bottom line. We always felt like if you were working hard, that you were going to prevail somehow or another. And and um, I've never felt like I was the smartest person in the world, so I always need outside help with business coaches and therapists and and preachers and everybody to help you along, you know, and 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 uh, put you on the right track. But um, no matter what happened, I was always able to work hard and I feel like that's what got our family through here. And then obviously, you know, my, my dad and, and my grandparents, they, they had a brain to them that was really some way of keeping those companies running and keeping everything going. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been working like crazy since we were little kids. So that's how we got here. So how does the organization look now, especially I, you know, I listen to the podcast just to be open with your father, you know, and how does it look like now structure wise, you know, employees roles, you know, how has that been refined over the years? That's a, that's a good question because when I got here, I graduated college in 97 and came full time. So it was me and my brother, my mom and dad, and, um, and maybe one other guy. And, and we had, a uh, at the time, you know, um, which you don't do this anymore, but you called them secretaries that were in the office and, and, um, and, and so my mom did the selections and, and, um, you know, my dad, I, I, you know, he, he was kind of running the company and being on the job. And then my brother and I were out in the field and we didn't have any job descriptions. We didn't, nobody knew a role. We didn't have any core values. We didn't have any vision or mission statements. We didn't have anything. I mean, we were out there building houses and, and, um, and I feel like there was some strategy on where he located the land at, um, for building neighborhoods. 
and um, and then we we honed in on what we were going to build and and price points and things. But as far as the structure of the company today, uh, I, I have a great business coach. His name is Fred Rakowski from Legacy Business um, Systems up in in Akron, Ohio. And and this was man, it had to have been seven, eight, nine years ago when he sits down and, and we I start talking to him and he's like, well, you you can't do an employee review if you don't have a job description. And, and because I would hate doing those reviews and he goes, well, this is the easiest thing in the world. You look at the job description and you say, did you do this? Did you do this? And if you didn't, then you need to make a change or you, or you need to be results based. Um, so that's a big thing um, coming up for our core values and getting everybody as far as our trades and our employees um, heading in the right direction, believing in what we're doing, not just coming out and working for us and saying, yeah, they're good quality builders. We want them to understand our vision. Uh, that's that's another big part of it. And just just getting everybody on the same page and and um you know like the the preacher says at church he goes you can get them on the same page but everybody needs to understand what's on the page you know to, to get them to understand what what it is and that was that was um that was a different it's still difficult today you know you know how it is with with people when you're dealing with human beings there's there's a constant um ebb and flow of, of emotions and um and them being um disciplined enough to do their job so there's a lot of different systems that we put in place. Um, I feel like we've come a long way with that because it was more family then and less employees. And now it's more employees and less family. So you had to become more structured. Let, let me ask you this. What's interesting is you mentioned and, and to pick apart, not to pick apart, but essentially focus on the core value statement with your business coach. Um, you mentioned how important it is for clients to see that. How, how do you show the core values? Is this something that's broadcast on your website? Are you sharing this at pre-con? You know, how do you uh, how does a customer become aware of what those core values are? We we have them um, on our wall here in our office. We've got a, it's probably uh, six feet tall and eight feet wide, and, and we've got them on a hall on the wall in the hallway here. Um, we put them on the front page of every proposal and every contract that we do. We have them picture framed in everywhere. We have them on our website, and and um, and I I I really push for it because if you've ever had to come up with them and understand what your values are, it's tough. And and so I'm like, man, we, we made it here. We're going to use these. We're going to, we're going to drive them home. And, and I always tell everybody, all the employees, I said, at any point in time, you feel like we should make a, an adjustment to these, or we should make a change, or you feel like um, you, you feel like they're not, nobody's holding true to them. We need to address this right away because this is what we're selling ourselves. We, we'd sit down with the, with the customer and say, if you want to know why you should build with us, as opposed to anybody else, our core values are why. This is this is what sells it for us. It's interesting because I think anyone can relate that has created core values for a company. Um, there's definitely a lot of thought, right? There's a lot of tactics, and how do you want to portray that, especially if you're going to be making this not just internal but external? Time wise, to develop that, has it? You know, have you uh, made edits to the core values over time, or has it been pretty consistent since day one, since you created those? I've kept them consistent, and and um, the only one that I've, I've feel like changing or one of our core values is honesty. And and the reason why we say honesty is because we've had some people that worked here that just, you know, and I don't know if people can say it, either way, it's not the truth, but you know, people get a little bit salesy on you and they, and they, and, and they, our customers can smell, you know, bullshit a mile away. And, and when you sit down with them, they don't want to, they don't want to listen to that. You know, I, I think our customers are more realist and they're not looking for a pitch. They're looking for the deal. They're looking for the real deal. And, and so I, the only reason it bothers me to have honesty in there is because it reminds me of somebody who starts a conversation out that says, Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. Or you want me to tell you the truth? And I'm like, 
what have you been doing up to this point? (laughs) (laughs) So, so that's, other than that, I mean, I really want our core value. I want everybody to be honest. I want them to tell the truth, but that's the only downside that I think about that when I think about the core value. So with job descriptions, I would imagine that this has probably morphed over time, you know, as company grows, roles change, become more defined. How much time do you focus on just the job descriptions and keeping that, you know, essentially a live document? Unfortunately, I don't do a very good job at that. And, and now it's, it's always it's always in front of them. They always have it. But it's it's one of the parts that I just I get I feel like I'm getting pulled a million different ways. And, and it's just how I'm built. I think, um, you know, I'm an old school builder and then and I feel like I'm learning the business every day. And, and I've been doing it for 26 years full time. You know, I started doing this when I was in literally in the sixth grade. I started working for my dad and and um and I can, I can, you know, run equipment and, and throw two by fours and do whatever you want me to do. But the business part of it, I've always had a good handle on it, but there's so many, we call it, you know, um, artificial intelligences, things that go on behind the scenes that you need to have a better handle on. And, and those employee reviews and those, and those job descriptions, um, I, I have all the job descriptions, trust me, but I just don't do a good enough job of sitting down with them and saying, Hey, where are you, and and how are you feeling with this? And and I need to do it on a quarterly basis. Um, one of the things I do decipher very well is is that um, I give them tasks, but I forget to to lay out the goals with them. So so I'm sitting there giving them a list of things they need to do, and I'm like, well, how hard is it? You go do it. And and um, my business coach is like, you need to also paint the the total picture with them. What's the goal of their position? I can give Sam, our office manager, 30 different things to do. But if she doesn't understand where the finish line is, then she's probably just going to feel like she's keeping working, working and working and not getting anywhere. So that's something we've adjusted to quite a bit. And, and as anything, you know, when things start to, to, to go wrong or things start to slow down or things start to um, do something, take a different path, then we start to address it. And, and I need to do a better job of that. So you mentioned, you know, employee reviews, and I think what's really difficult as a builder, and it's funny, we'll get into some of our networking and build a 20 later in the conversation, but I think just my pulse, you know, guests speaking as, as many places that we're networking with other builders, it's really hard to find an exact metric. I, you know, I believe there's value in what you're stating with your business coach that if you have defined descriptions, you can use as, as a metric, right. To, to mm-hmm. grade your personnel per se. As you're doing those reviews, how often are they? This one time a year, twice a year? How do you format those reviews internally just out of curiosity so that your team, you know, feels accountability, but also the opportunity for the upside? We want to do it quarterly. And and I asked the team, and we just changed that this year because in the past I asked the team, I said, how often do you guys want to do this? I mean, do you need it every quarter? Do you need it? And they're like, just do it once a year. We're good with once a year. But what I realized is they don't know what they don't know. And I'm the same way. I don't know what I don't know. We need to sit down on, on a quarterly basis and just talk, you know, and, and, and whether it doesn't have to be a reprimand, it doesn't have to be a review. You don't have to be cheering them on. You have to have a conversation with them. That's unhurried. That's in your, in your office, the door's closed and you're, you're getting some one-on-one time with them. And I can sit down and say, how are you doing? How are you doing personally? How are you doing in this company? What, what do you need from me to do your job better? And, and just having that, because I, I walk past their office so many times, I'm like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? And they'll be like, good. And I'm like, well, Robin's doing good. I don't need to know anything else. And I just keep walking. And really, I probably need to stop and sit down and say, no, seriously, you need to tell me how, how you're feeling and how's it going. So that's another, it, I don't need to be sitting here with a piece of paper in front of me going, did you do this? Did you do this? Because then it becomes a, they they become like, oh man, I got my review coming up and it becomes a, um, 
you know, kind of a higher blood pressure raising kind of meeting, you know, and I don't want to do that to them all the time. It's funny you said that. I remember this actually goes way back to high school and I, I can't remember the application, but I remember a teacher said, imagine communication. If, you know, I go up to Jeff and I'm like, Hey Jeff, how's it going? And you're like, well, let me tell you, you know, and I'm going through like 10 personal things, all these like personal issues or work issue, whatever it may be. And you're like, Whoa, like I only had a second here, but what's interesting. I think the application of what you shared is so oftentimes as business owners, it's not that we're afraid of conflict, right. Or addressing an issue, whether it be like a client or trade partner, or even an employee. The fact of the matter is a lot of this, um, I don't want to call it higher level, but it's in passing as you're mentioning, but when you're making dedicated time on a quarter to sit down, I can imagine that there's a lot of value, even if it's not so much an employee review where we're going through job descriptions and performance, as, as you said, it could be, how are you doing? You know, how, how are we doing as a company? How's the project? How's the client? How's your personal life? There's certain things where you're now making time for that employee. And I would imagine that they feel more cared and, you know, in the end, it enhances company culture. You're, you're hundred percent right. And, and again, it's something that I don't do. A good, I don't, I, I know that I don't do a good enough job at it. And it's not because I'm, I, I think poorly of anybody or anything like that. It's because I just, I'm not, I, I'm not trained and I haven't trained myself well enough to do it. I'm, I'm running out to jobs. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm running around. You get busy. And then you just kind of, you're like, Oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into next week and next week turns into next quarter. And then here you are. So yeah, it's, it's very important. And, and we, we, you know, we started, um, Oh man, it was back in, I'd say November somewhere in there and uh, of last year. And we started having these Monday morning meetings. And, and one of the things we, we challenge ourselves to do is, is why, why are we doing this? Why are we building houses? And, and why are we working here at Wheeland Builders? And, and what's the point? And, um, and, and I said, Hey, if you're telling me it's a paycheck, then just say it's a paycheck. If, if you, you know, is it, is it close to your house? You know, I mean, be, what, tell me why, just be honest. And, and what we all boiled down to is, is because we love what we do and there's no other reason to be here. And, and so I said, all right, well, y'all get a 10% pay cut. And they were like, Oh no, 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 no. We want the money. We want the money, but it, it, they love what they do. But during that meeting, when we came up with the word love, we had words like success and, and happiness and, and all kinds of things. And there must've been 50 words on the board when I was done putting it together. And so then from that point on, we took those words and dissected them and said, what does this mean to you? What does success mean to you? And somebody said, um, sign in a contract and, and it's okay. Okay. Well, what does it take to sign a contract? What you need a customer? How do you, how do you get a customer? Well, you need marketing. You need a lead. You need a lead to, you know, turn into something. And, and somebody else said happiness. Well, what does happiness mean to you? Is it, is it joy? Is it money? Is it, you know, your success? What, what is it? So we went down through all those things and, and really dove in good with our, with our employees, created a, a little bit of a Monday morning kumbaya time for all of us to, to learn from each other, building the team, um, getting everybody to understand that they can lean on each other and, and making sure that they understand that this is, um, you know, it's a, it's a family, so to speak, but it's your, it's your daytime, it's your work family. And, and, and we, we need to rely on each other. And that was really important to us. It's interesting. Cause there, there are two things I took note of, as you were saying that you said, one, what does happiness mean to you? Right. I think that's a really interesting question. And then number two, like, why do you work here? And so yeah. I, I thought about that. I'm like, well, I've definitely never asked those two questions to any of my team members. But as you think about that, I mean, understanding, you know, why a client's there because, or not a client employee that, you know, I I've seen where as you build a brand and I think a lot of companies are this way, there's a lot of employees that have a lot of pride in the company they work for. And 
you know, why is that? What at the core of it, what is it? Why is it that they're so appealed to that company and that they're gonna work and, and go above and beyond? And then what does happiness mean? I think as managers, hearing answers to that would help us understand and how to formulate the organization, as you mentioned, the core values, job descriptions. I mean, there's a lot of information that can be gained from just those two topics. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And and uh, you know, they're they're your core, your customers. And I, I was just in a career day for my son's school uh, on Monday morning, and their fifth and sixth grade kids. And I had they had to sign up, and which is a good sign that I had almost sixty kids in in two different sessions. I had thirty and thirty. And, and they were saying, you know, what's the most important is what's most, I said, man, the most important thing that goes on with our business is people. And it's not just people, it's the right people. And, and you have to have them there. You have to be present. You have to take care of them. You have to take care of each other. And, and, uh, and they were all like, oh man, I think they were expecting me to say like a circular saw or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So let me ask you this. What's interesting about the network. I mean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you have. I would say essentially three, three values, value adds. You have a business coach, you have the podcast you're doing. So again, you know, you're getting insight to that. And then number three is you're part of a build of 20. Yep. Um, so, so advantageous, right? How long have you been in your build of 20? I believe uh, I joined in 2015 or 16. So we've been in there um, eight or nine years, I think, or something and uh, seven, eight years. And, and it was, uh, I can't remember. I think I have, I had a couple friends of mine, that were in a builder 20 group and in being involved in the national association, I've heard about it. And I had always heard that it, I mean, you get on the list and it just takes forever to get into a group. And, um, and so I signed up and I think it was a couple months later and I got a phone call and, uh, and I got an interview on the phone. And then, um, I met with the guys in Vegas at the, at the builder show for a little bit. And then we went to our first meeting in Fort Collins, Colorado. So, um, man, it's been, it's been great. I mean, it's just been so helpful. It's just, are you part of a builder 20 group? Yeah, I am. And it's so advantageous. I mean, I, I speak about that fairly often on the podcast, especially not build as such yourself, Jeff. And, uh, I, it, it definitely will transform your business in so many ways. I mean, there, there's so much value, as you mentioned, having a business coach and someone that understands business. Cause you alluded to this earlier, you know, construction, Jeff, you know, you know, the industry, you understand how to build a home. The business operation is totally different, right? Company culture, all these things along with it is a totally different animal, right? And the Builder 20 is just more specification of focus into your business, you know, both business and operations and construction. And, you know, uh, especially as you are so open, right? You're sharing financials. And so how has that changed, especially being that your company was in business 65 years, you joined a Builder 27 years ago. What did that change, you know, from the first 58 to the last seven? It changed everything for for me because, um, for one, it's it, it's accountability. You know, the, you can't go into that group and and say you're going to do something or or tell them you're going to do something and then you don't do it because they'll they'll tear you up. And and um, and and then the other thing is you they they hold you to a certain level on that accountability as far as your profit margins, your gross margins, your net margins. Um, when you have an issue, you, you can, whatever it is, you can jump right in and, and, um, jump on the, the listserv and start talking to the guys and, and, um, getting some feedback from them. Um, it, it's a lot of camaraderie, you know, for the group, we, we have a lot of guys that have been in the group for a long time and, um, and that really is great. We, you know, we, we get together, we manage to have a, a pretty good time when we're together. Um, and then just, uh, just learning, man, I mean, it's, it's, 
there's so many things. I have a lot of friends of mine that are in the home builders, home building business because I've been in it my whole life. And and they're all a lot of local guys. And, and we can talk back and forth about uh, different things that go on in our business here. But it's not open book, you know, because you don't want everybody close to home to know exactly, you know, how much money you're making or you don't want to know any issues you have personally or through the business or anything like that. Um, there's a few guys that I have that with, but not all of them. So when you get into this builder 20 group, you can tell them it's an open book. I mean, you tell, you have to tell them everything in order for it to work. And, and they know how much every one of my employees makes. They know how profitable we've been in the last couple of years. They know any issues, um, any problems, anything that's come up um, family related. And, and we talk about it and we lay it out on the table and, and you get um, sometimes what is very harsh feedback and you get some positive feedback. Sometimes you don't get any feedback. And, and it's, it's helpful. You know, we, as, as a business owner, and I, and I, I think that anybody who owns a business can relate because I have a couple of friends of mine that, that own companies here in, in Southwest Ohio. And we always say, Hey man, you, we almost need a doctor that's specifically made for CEOs and, and, and business owners, because you always got something wrong with you because you're always stressed out. You know, you, you're losing your hair, your, your, your weight fluctuates up and down by 30 pounds. You're, you're freaking out, you know, and you're, you're on the edge, you know? And, um, and I think it's the same way with builders. Um, we all have, um, if you've been in this business long enough, you get a certain personality to you, you get a certain sense of humor to you. Um, you have definitely, we, I have a different language that most people don't necessarily understand. And, you know, I'm from the sticks a little bit, so they don't understand everything I'm saying. Um, and, and so they, they, um, the, you get this group together and we kind of are already on the same page and we understand each other. And then we can start building on our businesses and start working through our businesses, talking about customers, talking about, um, you know, business programs and, and employee reviews and, and, uh, and what your numbers look like and make sure you're paying attention to everything all the time. It's super helpful. What is your group comprised of? Are all your builders pretty similar to you, your scope of work? Do you have variations? We have variations. So we have a, um, we just came back from Harbor Springs, Michigan, and and this guy is just amazing. You know, he's an amazing craftsman, but it's um, his market is uh, second, third homes for very wealthy clients, and and so when you go up there, your your the lots are four or five million dollars a piece. You know, the houses are six, seven, eight million dollars a piece, and and it's just unbelievable craftsmanship and and unbelievable craftsmen are putting the houses together. Um, you know, we have some guys that are in, in Iowa city and quads or not Iowa city, but quad cities, Iowa, Davenport area. And, and they build more, uh, they're custom homes, but they're more like neighborhoods and, and building something that you can probably relate to more. Um, we have a guy in park city that's building on cliff sides, you know, and, and then we have four guys in Texas who, um, you know, one guy just pisses me off to listen to him talk because he builds like one house a year, has an investor and makes all kinds of money. And, and, um, and he's, and he's, and we're like, how many hours you work a week? He's like probably 25 hours a week. <laughs> and I'm over here just like, Oh, yeah. he's doing it, but he's got it down pat. You know I mean? He's got a system and, and it works for him. So it works really good. Um, but those guys all build similar products, you know, and, and there's a guy in North Carolina in Durham who is a really green uh, lead efficient builder, does a lot of high end remodeling and also, uh, because those people want to preserve those old houses down there and does a lot of new builds as well. So it with our our dollar volume, um, so if we we do twelve million dollars a year, everybody else is in that, you know, five to, to ten, twelve. We got one guy that's like around eighteen million total a year. Um, as far as the caliper of product, it's it varies a little bit. 
but we're all custom builders. So yeah. we do a lot of remodels. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, that was it. That was some guys do a lot of remodels and 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 other guys are, you know, there's there's a few of us that a few of them that do market homes too. It's interesting because to your point, I mean, everyone's in a different part of the country. So whether it's vacation homes, entry level, we'll call it, you know, semi-custom, remodel, custom only, it, it, it does vary. But the benefit is what, what I really enjoy about that, and you kind of made this point that there's a building in your group that's doing one house a year, right? That has great work-life balance. I think what I found is, you know, especially in the build of 20, we kind of have a wide array of builders too. We have some really big builders that are doing high volume, big companies, you know, 40, 50 employees. And we have some, like you're saying, that are like three employees. Yeah. It, it, it really depends on the goals that you have as a business owner, right? And what's important to you? What's your value? Um, what, what drives you? I mean, there's, there's so many things and it's not that anyone's right or wrong, right? We all have our own reason for how we set up our business. But what I've learned is that through those other builders, that there's information you can take back. Like I'm sure you have Jeff that is, I'm networking with these other builders, I'm like, you know what? I, I really like how they're approaching that or that strategy. I'm going to implement that because now this cause and effect for me, this is how can this can change my pipeline, timeline, work, you know, hourlies that, or I should say the hours I'm putting in each week. I mean, there's so many variation that you learn from all these different, you know, the vast difference of, of builders in the group. It's, it's amazing. And I leave there with, with, um, you know, three, four or five pages of notes every, every meeting. Um, I don't know how you guys do yours, but we meet on we, we meet for a group dinner the first night that we're there. The next day we're meeting all day in the in the meeting room, and then we all go to dinner that night. Uh, the next day we meet for a half a day in the meeting room, and then we do a tour of the product of, of their homes for a half a day, and then we all go to dinner that night. And then the following day we meet for a half a day again. And and um, yeah, it's just it, that's what makes that group work is is to get you don't want everybody the same as you. Because if they're all going to be the same thing as you, you're not going to learn anything. So we have to make sure that we have a, a variety of, of different guys that are doing different things in different areas. And, and they all have different you know, personalities and different ways they do business. And it just it's really, really helpful. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. I, I love that you share the format because every builder gr group is totally different. For, for reference, for us, we're typically meeting 
uh, on a Thursday. So like a Thursday around noon is when the, the group kicks off. We do home tours first. So we do our home tours. Wow. Yeah. Thursday afternoon, we have dinner Thursday night. Then Friday, we're in the conference room all day, Friday night dinner, and then Saturday in the conference room and try to wrap up around 3 PM so that people can either stay for the weekend or fly home or whatever. Um, hmm. With your format, I would imagine you guys are meeting twice a year. Is there a difference in meetings b- because you have two and a half days essentially together in, in the boardroom? Um, again, we're not getting into like all the specifics here, but o- on, as an overview, does it vary from spring fall to those meetings or how do you formulate you know, what you're addressing? It's um, the format's the same for those three, four days that we're there. And then uh, in the spring, we do our financials and we... Um, you know, we had a guy named Jim Weber that came in and did our financials with us. And I don't know if you guys ever had him or not, but just a very charismatic guy. And, and he ripped you up and down. If your numbers weren't in the right place, I mean, he'd just, he'd tear you apart in, in somewhat of a comical way, but getting his point across, you know, so it was really lively. It was a fun meeting and, and he's since retired. And, um, and so, and we've done it twice now where we did our own review of our financials in the meeting. And we kind of went around and talked about, um, we put, we still have a, you know, for people who aren't familiar with it, the national association has a chart of chart of accounts that we have to put all of our numbers into supervision, model homes, office expenses. Every one of our expenses goes onto this chart. Then they categorize that and put you in a, in a code number, put it up on the overhead and on the board. And, and we can sit there and look at each other's expenses and we can look at each other's gross profit margins, our net profit margins. And, and we can compare that to what the national average is, the builder 20 average is, and then what our group average is, and then we can compare it to each other. And, and basically what it boils down to is if you're going down the list and, and I'm spending, you know, $500,000 a year on marketing and somebody else is spending 20 bucks, then you know that there's a number missing somewhere or they just really haven't done any marketing or <laughs> crazy out the lunch spending $500,000 a year on marketing, which I don't, by the way. But, um, but it's just it's that point. And these guys can look at it. I mean, if I'm at a, if I'm at a, um, if I if 15% net margin, then everybody's like, you know, you want to know what I'm doing because that's a lot of money, which I'm not again. But, but if, if somebody's at a 2% net margin, then we're going, Hey man, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You can make more money going and working at Walmart than, than coming <laughs> to, to do this for 2%, you know? So we, we break into it that way and, and it's super helpful. And then in the fall, we usually have another speaker. Um, we've tried to have another speaker. This year in the fall, I'm the, I'm the president of our group or chairman of our group now. And, and I, I tell the guys, I'm like, man, I get so much more out of you than, than taking the risk on a speaker that we don't know. And, and, and speakers, as you know, they get a lot of money. I mean, when I retire, I think I'm just going to go be a speaker, (laughs) but, but it, but it's a risk, you know, and, and so we're going to do it ourselves and we're going to take each one of each one of us have taken our systems. So we're going to, I think I'm doing, um, uh, generation lead to contract. And then uh, another guy's going contract to um, excavation. And then other guys are going from the build process. Other guys are doing, uh, I think there was six or seven categories, HR, um, payrolls, things like that. And, and we're breaking it down and we're going to talk in depth about each one of them for, I think, an hour a piece and or more. And then uh, and then we're going we're gonna to leave it all on the table like that. So I think that's a good opportunity for us to learn. Um, but we need, you know, we're always looking for speakers. We're always looking for somebody to do our financials now because we want it. We want an opinion. We want ideas, you know, when, and, and that's another thing when you're here at home locally and, and maybe you have a bookkeeper 
um, and maybe you have an accountant, your accountant's probably keeping you within the confines of a law unless you have a really good one that's that's going to say, hey, look, you, do, you don't need to be doing this or you could be doing this. And, and your bookkeeper is going to be entering things in, in the, into the system and that's it. You need somebody and other people to say, hey, here's what you should be doing. Here's where you should be doing. Here's some ideas. Here's some investment ideas. Here's some, you know, there's, there's different things you can talk about that that don't um, that certainly aren't going to incriminate you, but but don't that don't you know your accountant? I think I don't know how to say it, but they they are they're only allowed to say so much, you know, to you about what they're what they're without putting them at risk. So it's really helpful to have that accounting meeting and and talk about the finances with that group. Yeah, it's interesting. I do want to get into. It's funny the topics how we how we're similar, but I I think for those who are listening that there's something really valuable that you shared. That's really interesting about being a bill of 20 outside of some of the pros you share, but you mentioned that what they're doing is, um, you know, they're putting together financials that show you how you compare to your group, to other build of twenties, and then just the national index of home builders. And what you mean is what's interesting about that is uh, to your example, you could have a company spending 20 grand on marketing and one that's 500, but, it's not so much the dollars they're spending because it depends on the gross revenue they're doing. So there's ratios involved. All these numbers are ratios. So you could be looking at someone, Jeff, on this database and say, hey, you know, maybe I'm in line. You know, I'm spending quite a bit on marketing, but based on the volume I'm doing and the staff, like it kind of lines up with what other people are doing. And so you have a really quick metric to say, am I over, under, right on pace? Am I in the upper echelon? And then it really helps you to really focus on that. And you mentioned accountability, not just from your peers, but yourself to say, okay, here's my goal, ABC, that I'm going to work on these next six months before we meet again. Yeah. And that's, it. again, it's just, it's priceless to be able to do that. Um, but making sure that, and, and I just as you were talking there, I think the other great thing about that is, is, and I don't turn my phone off, but everybody knows where I'm at. And it gives you a chance to kind of step away from the business be up there working with these guys and they'll start talking about certain kind of finances and it'll spark something in my brain to start thinking about, Oh man, well, we could do this. And, and it leads to one other thing. And I start making notes and making notes and making notes. And it's just, it's super helpful, you know, to be able to, to leave away with something like that. And what I, what, what I would consider the experts of the, of the industry, you know, these guys that I'm, I'm I look up to all of them and, and I just think it's, it's a great part to a great group to be a part of. It's funny that you, uh, you know, because the same thing here, there's value in guest speakers from our side. But what's interesting, I look at the last few that we've had, you know, we had one of our uh, group, you know, build a 20 members to talk about um, KPIs, right? Key performance oh, yeah. indicators. And, yep. and they're really big on KPIs. And so they taught us how they do that. You know, we've taught on Bluebeam. We're going to do another one on Bluebeam, how we use Bluebeam. And um, another one's done like pre-con estimating. So you're finding these. I, I know that our um, our chair who's over like the guest speakers we have like this huge questionnaire of topics that all of us are either want to know more about or struggling. It could be social media, could be whatever. And then, you know, we essentially vote on it or check it off the box. And then each meeting we're, you know, teaching or instructing or having stuff from the group, because as you mentioned, there's so much value from those in the room that why not take advantage? Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah. um, with builder 20, for those listening, you touched on this briefly, but if, if I am listening to the podcast and I'm like, I really want to get a builder 20, what are the steps? Do I have to be an NHB member? Do I sign up first? You know, how do I accelerate that transition to get into a group? Yeah, it's it's um it's a special hidden gem because I think a lot of the guys in in the group 
are saying, hey, man, I'm not telling everybody in town that I'm going to build her 20 because I don't want them to join a builder 20 and know the things I know. <laughs> and and I, I, I get a kick out of it because I'm always like, if it helps them, man, if it helps them be a better builder, if, if whatever it helps this industry to be better, I'm, I'm all for it. So um, you go to the NHB's website and um, and I can't remember what their website is, but it's it's a National Association of Home Builders. So it's not NHBA, it's NAHB. Dot com and then you can just search the uh, 20 groups or builder 20 and then you can take it from there and and uh the people who handle that uh at nhb will put you on a list um they're going to ask you a ton of questions um, number one is you know where your location is um and then what your dollar volume is what kind of houses you build are you a custom builder are you production builder do you build market houses are you a remodeler because they have a remodeler 20 custom builders and then and production builders and, uh, you know, that's I think that's one of the reasons why if you're on that list for a little while is because we don't want I don't want another guy from Cincinnati being on my group. And, and even a guy from Columbus might even be a little too close uh, for me and to be in my group. And because I you know just know guys throughout the state. So they got to get they got to create some distance between you and somebody else in the group. Um, because it, it they, again, they don't want it to be too close. You got to find a group that's going to fit you and fit what your your dollar volume is and what you do as far as custom building. And um, and man, if you get in a group, it's like anything else. You you get out of it what you put into it, and you have to be dedicated to it and give it some time. Don't go there and expect to become you know like this brainiac person after the first meeting. You've got to get in there. You've got to get to know the, the people. You have to 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 take it to the, to the fullest. And and you're going to enjoy it. I mean, you're going to, you're, I hope you get a lot out of it. The other cool thing is, and, and because my wife goes with me to the meetings, there's a lot of other wives that go to the meetings, but you know, we get to go and tour places that I would have never have gone to in my life. You know, I, I would, I don't know if I would have ever made it back to Harbor Springs. I don't know if I would have ever made it to Anacortes, Washington, or if I would have gone to, um, you know, Quad Cities, Iowa, and to get to see these, what these guys do and get to tour other parts of the country just for a couple of days. It's really cool. Yeah, I love that. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the home tours because here in Phoenix, where I built, it's such a different climate. You know, our construction is totally different than mountain areas, you know, coastal yeah. areas. And, you know, especially where you are. I mean, Jeff, you have, uh, you know, your weather can drastically change. You have a lot of elements you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I don't have all those here in Phoenix. So from last night to this morning, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for us, it's like, oh, yeah, it's sunny today. Maybe a little right. bit of rain. But <laughs> Um, biggest challenge you have right now as a builder? Uh, you know, probably, probably home sites, finding land. Cause we're a custom builder. And when I came out of the recession in 2010, I guess it was, we were, we were building neighborhood homes and, and my dad and those guys, they always liked to build those more. It was kind of production style, but it was, it was more neighborhood secluded. And, and which means you have to carry a model home. You have to carry lots. You have to put deposits down on neighborhoods and, and you're in debt. I mean, you're, you're carrying a load of debt all the time. And when I came out of that, I said, man, I, I never want to go back there again. So my gig is to just be as debt free as possible. And which means I don't own any land. And, and so when I want to go build a house for somebody or they come to me and want me to build them a house, we got to go searching for property and it's, it's getting more and more difficult to find. Um, and specifically to what people want. So that's a, that's a huge challenge for us. Um, materials, you know, we still have an issue with windows. I mean, just, I was just in my production meeting all morning before we jumped on here and, and, um, you know, we, we, we have a house that's with the delays that we have with whether it's electric meter bases or windows, 
Um, and I won't say the manufacturer, but, but I'm sure that everybody's getting having to, because I like the guys, you know, I don't want to make people think they're having a bad, but, um, everybody's having the same problem with the, getting the glass on these, on these funky shaped windows. Those houses have the tendency to drag on a little bit longer than what they normally would. So when I get to the end and I still don't have appliances, I'm like, what in the hell happened here? We're getting ready to close this house. And they're like, and, and I, and, and I have guys that always, they're famous for saying everything's here. And they say, accept. And then they list basically everything. You know, and I'm like, well, that's not everything, you know. So right now we're getting ready to close the house in two weeks and uh, and we have um, we have the oven and that's it. And and, and we're not sure when we're going to get anything else. And uh, so that's been really difficult is getting appliances. And and, you know, I, I think the other thing is, is just um, is people and, and getting I've got, I've got some really good trades that I've been I've had for a long time. And, and, uh, as our business evolves and we build these bigger houses and we do different things, it's more and more difficult for them to step out of their zone and do different things. And, uh, the, it's not just as simple as what it used to be. So, so instead of roughing a house and on a plumber, instead of roughing a house in two, three days, man, he might be there for two weeks or three weeks to, to rough it. And for some reason they don't like that. I mean, and, and, uh, and it gets them a little bit baffled. So people in their drive, to, to get the job at a high quality. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a builder and I've, I've grown up in this business, um, to where usually traditionally builders are just beating numbers down, beating people down. You know, you come to me with a, with, give me your third number. Don't give me your first number. And, and you know what I mean? And, and so I'm always telling people, I'm like, my goal here is to get you to make as much money as possible, but we need to work through this together to understand how we get there. And, and I'm not beating you down, but if I'm going to pay you more, you got to give me more. I've got to get more out of it and getting people to understand that. And I'm not sure if they're getting beat down by the industry or they just feel like they're getting worn down by what they're doing. But but people are I think I see I start to see the effects on these guys. And I just wish that there was some way that we could cheer them up, turn them around, get them excited about what we're doing again. It's interesting you bring this up because I was just thinking um, and I'm trying to think how I present this on the podcast. Um, and, and maybe I'll say it this way. So I was at an outing, um, and it was a fundraiser it was a golf outing. And so I had two of my peers and the funny thing is they're not residential, they're in commercial. So they're doing, one of them works for a company doing like 7 billion a year, like huge national commercial company. Another one's doing probably a billion and a half. And then there's us, you know, little small residential guys. <laughs> so, so, so one of the, the gentlemen are foursome, who's a good friend of ours, you know, he's a marketing guy. And the comment he made, he said, uh, by the end of the round, he said, I never realized, um, I'm trying to remember how you said it, but long story short, we were talking about how, look, I'm a pretty approachable guy. I feel, you know, like I get along with most people and, you know, fairly friendly, I guess you could say, but, uh, there's a tendency, there's so much frustration right now to build a project with, and, and they're good people. Like a lot of my vendors, such as you, they're good people. My trade partners are great people and they're struggling right? Yeah. With their manpower. They're struggling with material. They're struggling with their suppliers and the suppliers are frustrated because they can't get in certain pieces and it's backing it up. Now the clients are frustrated. And so you're in this really tense um, environment and everyone's frustrated. And you know, I made a comment that you begin to hate people. And I don't mean that like, uh, like I'm going to be some hermit and move to, you know, in the middle of nowhere, but, <laughs> but it, th there has to be a way where you have to, uh, you know, step aside to some extent because it's so tough. And so the comment he made, he said, and the funny thing is, Time's up by 10 in the commercial world, right? Where you have oh, yeah. timelines and liquidated damages and it becomes very 
adversarial. Yeah. And and so this marketing guy is like, I didn't realize you guys hate people so much in construction. <laughs> and so it, it made me laugh just because I'm like, anyone that's listened to this that's in our industry can relate because it's just, it's really difficult to build. It's really hard to set that expectation. It's, you know, I'm dealing with this with one of our clients now and, you know, we made you know, the reality is there were some time constraints on when they want to be in the home. And again, it's, you, you start making adjustments based on when we should have been done. And then now they're frustrated because there's some items that weren't complete. And, and so now you're like, okay, how do we bridge this? And it's, it, it becomes a really frustrating process, you know, for all parties involved. It It is. And when you say that, I'm sitting here thinking about it and I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on edge, you know, I'm running, <laughs> I'm running, you know, and I'm always on edge and, and, um, and I, and I'm like, you know, thumbing through the Indeed ads, thinking about what else I can do for a living sometimes, you know, because like, this is crazy. But then I start thinking about these guys and they're probably faced with the same thing. And and uh, I was out at one of my, my uh, mirror and shower glass guys shop. A couple, my pile. Man, that had to have been, I was thinking I say the other day, but it was probably last year and he's miserable. And and I'm like, man, you've been doing this with me for all since I've been here. And, and he's been doing a lot longer than that before I got here. And, and for the first time, he's like in his life, he just, He's, he's upset. He hates it because he can't get material. And when he can't get material, then, you know, the first thing a builder does is blows, you know, blows his, his gasket and is like, you know, going to go find somebody else to do it. And and then that puts him down. And then, you know, when you go do that, then you get somebody else to do it and they don't do nearly as good a job as this guy. And it just turns into this mess, you know, and, and um, it's, it, yeah, I mean, Tim, you know, it's, it's on edge. You know, you and I first started talking about this and um, before we came, we came on air um, but you, when you were interviewing the chiropractor, uh, Brandon, a while ago, mm-hmm. and, and you guys yeah. were talking about, um, uh, I think it was you and him both made the point to say about you're on your customer's side, you know, you're there for them and building that trust and making sure that you're always working in the benefit and, of the customer. And, and so in order to try and keep some of those temperatures low, I think that's a really important part of it. And, I, and as soon as I listened to that, I brought it back to my team and I was like, here's what we need to start thinking about. Um, because, because we talked about in our builder 20 group too, is when did the, when did the customer make the decision to be unhappy about something, you know? And, and so by assuring them that we're on their team, that we're working for them, that we are, we have their best interest in our heart and making sure that they, it's not just a sales pitch that we're telling them that we're really, really believe this. And, and, uh, I think that calms the temperatures a little bit and, and then we can work through things together. Um, I think that we need to do a better job of that with our trades. Now with, with our trade partners, we do a, a breakfast every year in the spring and we bring them all in there. And, and I think there was a hundred and something, uh, guys there, this or people there this year. And we do it. Uh, this is another, I'll, I'll just keep leading on to this, but cause I'm getting further away from what we started talking about. No, you're, we, you're good. we do it uh, at the vocational school here in, in Butler County. It's called Butler tech vocational school. Um, and, and hopefully the, the teachers and other vocational schools bring their students over there and gives them an opportunity to get in front of people who are ready to hire them right now. But we, and then the culinary kids at the school make us breakfast and it's really good. Um, but man, we, we get up and we talk about our goals for the year. We talk about customer service and our customer service initiative. We introduce everybody. We talk about how long they've been here and how long they've worked with us. Um, and we kind of go through and build that, that relationship with them. But that's, that's another point where I think we need to probably do a better job with these guys and of our trades to say, Hey, we're on the same team, you know, and I have your best interest at heart, even though we have the tendency to, to get after each other a little bit because, 
tempers get a little bit high when you're not showing up or you're running behind schedule or we haven't communicated something correctly with them and we made a mistake and and it becomes this this friction you know that that is not it's not necessary and um and so we probably need to do a better job of, of doing that with our guys you know make sure they they know that we we all have our best interests at heart we just need to understand that we're on the same team it, there's definitely a humble approach you mentioned you know just going to your client i'm on your side i think there's uh so many times clients feel that they have to like manage us, oversee us, um, hold us accountable, whatever it may be, right? Because of circumstance and projects and timelines. And let, you know, having that open dialogue and communication, I think is, is beyond valuable because you said it, it lets your guard down. If someone comes to you and says, I'm on your side, how can I help? And I, and I think of this, I always think of it, you know, I look for me and the client, but I look, you know, if I apply it to my trade partner, when their company saying, Brad, hey, we made a mistake. You know, we missed this, didn't get it ordered, you know, or maybe it's something different that we're on your side. You know, my reaction is going to be a lot different because now you're problem solving and it's not just like, you idiot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, how did you do this? Like, why aren't you done? Why isn't this finished? And it's just your, I don't know why as builders, maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's we're afraid that the client will think that we don't know what we're doing. You know, sometimes they're paying us a high fee. And, and there's probably a lot of excuses we give ourselves why we're not communicating being open with our clients. It's, I think it's all of the above. And, and, um, you know, I, I'd like to think that, um, we, I have this, I have, I have this saying in our meetings, you know, with our, with our employees, I said, we want to bring our customer in here. Like we want to keep them close and, and we sign up with them and we're going to be friends and we're going to hang out and it's going to be so much fun. And, and, but in reality, we, we need to, we want to bring them in close, but we need to keep them at arm's length because there's a friendship, there's a relationship, and there's also a business deal that's going on here. And and so we need to, to, to have fun. We need to be cordial. We need to be friendly. We need to care, but we also need to be able to make decisions. And and we need to do the same thing with our trade partners, the same thing with your employees. You know, I, I hire somebody and I'm like, you're going to retire here and you're like 20. So I want you to be here for 100 years. And, and I think this is going to be the greatest thing in the world when the reality is the average person stays in a position for like three years. And, and, uh, and so you just, you, you want to bring them in, you want to keep them close, but then you have to understand that there's a, there's a, a business deal that's going on or a business relationship. Um, the other thing that's difficult with, with us is we're, we're the manufacturer. You know, this, we're, we're one of the only things that you can buy besides a great steak and fry company, I think, but that you can see made right in front of you, you know, and, and everything is handmade and, and we're putting it together out in the field. We're dealing with the elements. We're dealing with natural materials. We're dealing with, with, with human beings. And, and, and I hope that I never pitch it to somebody like this is going to be the perfect process and we're never going to have any problems. And, and it's just going to be dancing daisies and music playing all the time. It's, it's not like that. You know, we make mistakes. We, we have human beings that make mistakes. We have human beings that are trying to manufacture things that are supposed to ship to us that can't be shipped to us. And, and it just, it goes down the line while we can do our best to, to put together systems and, and be great builders. There's things that happen and, and we need to be prepared for that. Yeah. What's interesting. I've, I've heard the analogy we're having open surgery, right? It's like, you know, but I love the manufacturer because I think it's much more relevant how many of us, you know, we buy products, but when do we ever see it manufactured? Right? Right. Open surgery. When do you see that? It's not going to happen. And, and you're doing essentially both at once. It's, you know, probably more surgery on a remodel, but on a new bill, it's manufacturing, putting together. And uh, there's just so much application there as we set that tone. And then really the whole context here, Jeff, that we're speaking about is 
the, the difference between customer service and the customer experience. And when you're thinking about the customer experience, that work goes into I'm on your side, right? We're here with you. How can we work through this? And trying to solve those pain points throughout the build process. And it's a really tough task, especially as we're in a relationship for, you know, sometimes years at a time with each client. And, and so for you, Jeff, um, I, I know we've been I'm taking long sense it's your time, but yeah, but, <laughs> but what's interesting is you made one comment earlier, just getting back to the development side, you mentioned one of the things you're struggling with is land in your market. Are you acquiring the land and doing the build or does the client buy the land? The customer buys the land. And but are you helping them find it? I'm helping them find it. And and if they call me up on a Sunday and say, hey, we found this piece of property, I'm, I'm trying to get out there as soon as I can to review it, see how it lays, look at utilities, see what kind of, if there's any issue with it and to give them my best, um, you know, my, my, my opinion on the property, yes. It, it, it's interesting because here in Phoenix, we're the same. I don't, you know, I'm not a, an investment spec beater, builder. And I think we don't have time to dive into, you know, the strategies of either or, right? And, and why each business, you know, accordingly seeks after what they do. But um, going back to the land thing, even though Phoenix is pretty wide open, it's tough. Land's tough. I mean, right now, I, I think nationally people um, are, are reevaluating um, where their focus is, where their money is, you know, how they live. Uh, I think the pandemic has a lot to do with that. Inflation has a lot to do with that. Um uncertainty of the market has, you know, some, something to do with that. And so people, um, values have changed, right. Importance yeah. has changed for our clients. And so we're seeing that land is tough to come by. And a lot of people are hoping to cross their fingers. We're going to see a 2010, just, I, I don't think that's going to happen just with how strict our banks have been the last 10 years. I'm sure you can, um, that you're also on the same page there, but it's, you know, land's tough. Yeah. You know, I, man, I hope it never comes back. I mean, I really, <laughs> I really, I wouldn't mind it resetting a little bit, but I hope that never comes back again because it just, it was miserable because, and I think, you know, when we were there, one of the biggest issues we had is we, we had no idea what to expect. We've never been in a situation like that. We, we never knew what the next day was going to bring and it was, it was miserable. But, you know, one, one of the things with the property around here is I'd be glad to develop a piece of property and make it into large acre home sites or make it a custom building site, have enough friends of mine that are custom builders. We could probably go in there and, and we could find the money and we could do it. But we have so many production, large national custom builders here in Cincinnati and Southwest Ohio. And we have local guys who are knocking it out, too. And they've all got land people. So if I'm driving down the road and I see a piece of property and I'm like, oh, Man, I could look. I already know somebody else has already looked at it five times, and and it's it's I can I can look at it, but it's I know somebody else is already there. So that land gets eaten up a lot, and I think that is a is an initiative through our home builders association because we have a local home show called Homerama, and we're always struggling to find places to to have that show. We need to start making deals with these big national guys to peel off a piece for us and see if we can work with them to, to do something with it. You know, there's not after the after the recession. And I, I hate talking about the recession because it's been so long ago. Right. And we still talk about it like it was just last week. And and uh, and but, you know, we, that's how badly scarred we are. I am anyway. PTSD. Oh, man. It's it just like you start talking about it and I start going down this hole. Um, <laughs> but but a lot of those small developers that were doing custom home lots, uh, they're gone. They 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 retired probably, or they just, they're not, they're not going to risk it anymore. Yeah. I think that's tough. We're, we're pretty dominated in Phoenix by a national builder. And so they, they tend to gobble up the land far in advance and it makes it tough on us. 
Um, for sake of time, Jeff, and again, been incredible, just the foresight. And I, I just love the business operation. And I love having builders on such yourself that are always looking to, you know, you're not complacent. And, and any successful business is not complacent. They're going to be seeking to get better. And that's been really your drive, especially since coming into the business in the 90s and joining your builder 20. I mean, you're on that up, you know, you're, you're, you're on that, um, you know, that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, you're on the right path, I guess you could say. But crazy ride, for, yeah, crazy ride, like all of us are. <laughs> for you, what do you do for fun? Uh, you know, my 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 wife and two, I have two kids. Um, uh, one, she's nine, and the other one's eleven. He'll be twelve this year. And I coach football, basketball, and baseball, and um, and I really enjoy that. We have a farm that we live on. We have a hundred acres up the road here in Lebanon, Ohio, and we're cattle farmers. So I have a I have a uh, two associates degrees from Ohio state agricultural school and, and uh, one in construction, one in animal science. And, and just, I love being around the animals and, and uh, cows is what it is breeding cows. So we, we raise the mother and the father and, and hope to improve the quality of the beef through the calves and, um, and just spending time. I work, man. And I, and, and I think most people think that I'm nuts and I probably think I'm nuts too, but I, I, I do that. I enjoy working and putting in, uh, you know, time on the farm and coaching has just been something that's been something that popped up that, you know, they, they rope you in because they're like, well, you know, if we don't have enough coaches and the kids aren't going to be able to play. So in the second grade, I started coaching basketball, really got a kick out of it and enjoying seeing the progression of the kids throughout from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, building relationships with the parents and and plus spending time with my son and, and my daughter, my daughter's cheering and, and, um, and we spend a lot of time at the school and in the community and, and hanging out with them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, you, you, as a business owner, this becomes your life, and and whatever else you have time for, you try and make time for it. It's funny as you were kind of listing off all of those activities, I was like, so you really don't do anything then outside of work? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> just to be sarcastic, but the reality is, it's like, where's the time for work? I mean, that's that's quite a bit on your on your slate there. So yeah, I, I commend you, Jeff. That's awesome. Um, what's upcoming and exciting for you? Uh, you know, we're, we're, um, we have a lot of things going on here in the business. You know, we've got, we've got a really big house that we're getting ready to, that we just got back yesterday from the architect and we're starting to price that out and meet with the customers again and getting that rolling. It's like a 12,000 square foot house. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. Um, as far as, as my family's going, we're getting ready to take a, uh, we, we rented an RV and, uh, we're, we're heading out your way. So we're coming through, um, St. Louis, going down to Yukon, Oklahoma, out to Santa Fe and, and uh, Grand Canyon, um, we're going to stop and and I'd I'd be um, in trouble if I didn't mention my friend Dan Geis out in Golden, Colorado. I think Dan's the one who put us together. And yeah, uh, I and love Dan. Just, uh, Summit Custom Homes out there, great mm-hmm. dude. Um, but we're going to swing up through Golden and catch up with him and his family, and then we're going to go on up to Cheyenne, um, out to uh, out to the park there, and then we're going to come through Mount Rushmore, and then we're going to head back home. So. Um, that's the longest time I've ever taken off of work and and been away from the farm and and um, but I'm really looking forward to spending all that time with my kids and my wife and kind of uh, letting go of things here for a little bit. And that's amazing. So for those listening, Jeff, who uh, where can they find you? For us, uh, we're at WheelandBuilders.com. It's W I E L A N D Builders, and um, and we're here in Southwest Ohio. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Instagram page, and um, and you can find us just about uh, anywhere on Google. And um, and man, I hope that uh, you know I don't want to I don't want to give a shameless plug to my podcast, but I'm setting I'm def- I'm definitely going to be talking about you in, in our next episode. But we're, it's the WB download, um, and we 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 do it right here. We don't have a, a video, but we have just a voice recording. 
And, um, and, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I don't know if you started it the same way I did, but, but they were talking about doing, um, a, um, uh, Oh, what are you thinking about? But the blog and, and I'm like, they want me to write it. And then they want me to hand it off to some kid to rewrite it so people can understand it and then <laughs> put it on the internet. And I said, why don't we just start a podcast? And so that's how we started our podcast. And then plus, and we, and, and I listened to Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast and I really got a kick out of it and talking to people, telling stories and talking about building houses, man. I mean, it's just, it's great. So I've listened to your podcast and you just do an excellent job and, and uh, I'm hoping to come up and meet you sometime in, in person. Well, I appreciate it. Well, next time you're in town or if I'm that way, Jeff, let's connect. And uh, who knows, maybe at NHB or the build a show or something, we'll connect. So man, I hope so. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and great to speak with you today. You too. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and uh, review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes. Please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.